Thank you for joining me on episode 55 of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, just a regular gal trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. Today, I chat with Carl Thomas about something many people don't want to talk about, and that is pornography addiction. Carl oversees the ministry Triple X Church, and he shares some of the roots of pornography addiction, how to talk to your kids about pornography, as well as his own victory journey. Stick around after the podcast as I share with you the back cover of my book that is coming out October 18th, The Real War on Women. Now, let's get started. Welcome back to the Unique on Purpose podcast. I am here today with Carl Thomas. We are traveling all the way to Jersey. Carl is a husband, father. He is also the author of When Shame Gets Real. He has been helping men and women find freedom from pornography addiction for the past 10 years as he oversees the ministry of Triple X Church. So did I miss anything there, Carl, or is that pretty much it? Like That sounds like you're a pretty busy man. I think you got pretty well covered. <laughs> okay. So um, right away, I think people are like, oh, pornography. All right. So we're going down this road. But I, 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 it's such an important topic. And I hate the fact that there's so many people that won't talk about it. But I want to dig into it today. And first of all, explain to me what Triple X Church is, because there are still some out there that have never heard of the ministry before. Yeah, Triple X Church has been around for website itself has been around for two decades now. In mm-hmm. fact, um, this year is our 20th year. Um, a lot of people refer or think think of Triple H Church as this company, and uh, the reality is it's it's just a website and a brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, um, it's a website or a brand that focuses its efforts on helping people with pornography issues, sexual addiction issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the years, it's over the years, it's kind of morphed here and there. Uh, back in the day, I'd say this was more on the awareness of pornography as a problem okay. you know, 20 years ago because no one was really talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then also dealing with a lot of parenting issues and then the recovery aspects, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then I'd say as of today, uh, and there was some transition there in terms of who ran Triple X Church 20 years ago and who runs it today, which is us. Uh, today, I'd say we still focus on awareness, kind of, but it's not awareness that porn is a problem because I think most people, especially in the church at this point, know that mm-hmm. unless they've been living uh, as a hermit. You know? Right, <laughs> like right, most right. People know this. It's more of the awareness, porn, sex, masturbation, all these things. Uh, we need to build more awareness in terms of just talking about it as part of a regular conversation mm-hmm. and stop trying to duck these issues that these are just parts of life that we all have to deal with. I'm not saying they're necessarily good parts of life. Mm-hmm. Sex is a good part of life, but porn's not. Right. Um, but there's, there's no getting around that this is just kind of normal part of life, just like fast food. And we need to stop treating it like it's this thing that can only be talked about in certain, certain corners of the room. And then we focus a lot of our efforts, obviously, on building communities and connecting people to recovery resources. We still obviously work with parents or talk to parents about issues with their kids. But our focus, I'd say, the majority of our focus is on recovery and connecting people with support communities because, again, 
not a lot of people are talking about this, especially in the church world. Why do you think they're not? I guess the church that I went to for many years, I didn't become a Christian until I was in my later teen years, but we freely talked about this. And I'm actually shocked at the churches that do not bring this topic up. Why do you think that is? Uh, Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. Um, I actually talk about this in my book a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, in one chapter where I get into the church culture specifically, but, and this is just my opinion, you know, uh, I'll put a, whatever you want to call it, disclaimer there. But I think it's, a, I think it comes down to a couple things. Uh, honestly, and this one's going to sound really cynical. I, I admit that, but there's just no, R, there's no ROI <laughs> talking about porn. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you're in evangelical culture today, where all the focus is on trying to get butts in the seats and, grow your church and uh, especially with COVID and now it's you're working against working against everything to try to grow your church when the church is waning mm-hmm. who wants to talk about porn and sex that's not going to get people into your church it's not really a, a, a comfortable topic it's not going to appeal to the masses it's a needed topic but a lot of people just look at it and say gosh this is not really going to it's not going to increase giving. It's not going to increase attendance. Right. You know, it's kind of an it's kind of an uncomfortable issue, and people, by and large, don't like being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, I think there's a lot of fear about it, uh, and that's because we grew up not being talked about this stuff ourselves. A lot of us, yeah. And then, and this one's crazy, but the reality is leadership. I'd say the majority of your leadership in the church hasn't been properly trained on this stuff. I did. I did a search, and again, I'll admit it wasn't an exhaustive search, but I did I did a bit of a search on several seminaries, just out of kicks, and I put this in my book, but to see what the requirements are for MDiv programs, you know, which is what most, a lot of pastors will get, right? That's a master's level course. Uh, quite frankly, the amount of credits you have to get for your average MDiv program is almost, it's practically a doctorate, so it's a lot of schooling. Mm-hmm. And um, you'd be surprised how many MDiv programs, when you go through the core requirements, there's Greek, there's Hebrew, there's apologetics, there's this, there's that, nothing on sexuality, uh, internet pornography, on any, nothing, like zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, this one university, I won't mention by name, but they actually have an MDiv program for ministry. Like that is, is the degree. You're Wait, what, what is the, what is the ministry? Men- Say that again. It, it cut out there. It's an MDiv program specifically for people that plan on doing ministry online, right? Uh-huh. I mean, you can't get any more specific than that. Mm-hmm. And I went through all the core requirements. Not one requirement, internet pornography or anything like that, which is one of the same issues you run into with online ministry and, uh, you know, especially with the church world. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, there's just very little, if any, training on any of it. Right. And so, you know, you tell these pastors, you give them a degree, you tell them they're ready to lead the church, and they mm-hmm. go lead a church, and then they find out they have this huge problem, and they've never been trained on it. Right. You know, they don't know what to do. So what do you do? You know, do you admit that you don't have an answer, or do you just kind of avoid the issue in the first place? Well, and you have to wonder, too, and I don't know the statistics, so I apologize, but from my understanding, there are a large portion of pastors that have an addiction, so they probably don't want to sit there and talk about how to get set free when they're not even set free themselves. Yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, the numbers vary uh, based on the study, and honestly, there's not, 
there's probably not enough studies out there about this because they're few and far between. I think one of the best ones I saw was four years old. Mm. So they say numbers, I've seen numbers range from anywhere from 30 to 40% of pastors currently struggle with pornography. Mm -hmm. I don't know how accurate it is. I would say it's, Yes, it's fairly accurate, somewhere in that 30 to 40 range, who knows? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the problem you run into also with these studies is that a lot of it is based on how you couch the question. Mm -hmm. So if you say, hey, uh, do you have a problem with porn? Well, now you're leaving it up to the, the, the user, right, or the survey taker to determine what constitutes a problem. That's true. Uh, yeah. And I, I, just to give you an example, I mean, this is years ago, but I remember I was helping out a church, a local church, not a church I was going to, but I was just involved with a, um, their college group, I think, was doing a, an outreach. They were, I think it was either coats or food. It was, it was for homeless people in Philadelphia, and I was involved. So I was riding in the car with the, with the, the college pastor, um, who was kind of leading the whole thing. And we were chatting along the way, and he was asking me what I did, and I was telling him, you know, I work with this organization, and we help these people, and blah, blah, blah. And he openly tells me, he says, yeah, you know, I I don't really have a problem with that. I only look at it maybe once a month. <laughs> okay. But that, like, in his mind, that's not a problem. That's right. That, you know, it's it's like, ah, it's like telling a little white lie, you know? And I, and I get that to an extent, but... But that's what I mean. Like, if that guy took a survey and says, hey, are you addicted to porn? He'd say no. Because right. in his mind, it's not a problem. It's just like this little mishap that tends to surface once a month. But I would ask the guy, okay, if it's once a month, like, that's that's kind of a cycle, right? That's mm -hmm. a pattern. Right. Um, patterns happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. right? it, it, otherwise, it would be more spontaneous. It would be, uh, I don't know, once in a while, not yeah. once a month. or one. And if he says once a month to a guy that's helping people with porn, my guess would be might be a little more than once a month. Right. Knows, but yeah. Uh, again, like he's a pastor of a church, leads college kids, and he says, "I don't have a problem. I just look at it once a month." Which is still a problem. So, <laughs> I, I would I would say yes. Any, I would say yes. Anytime you look at it, said, it, yeah. Yeah, if I went to my wife and said, "Hey, babe, I'm only looking at it once a month. I think we're good," she would definitely disagree with me. Exactly. Now, wh speaking of that, um, how did you get involved in the ministry? I mean, is that a part of your personal testimony when it comes to this issue? Yeah, it's it's a bit of a long story, so I'm not. I don't want to give you the whole story, but uh, yeah, I, I dealt with this stuff most of my life. Um, you know, high school, college. I grew up before the internet became a thing, and then when the internet became a thing, so it got worse. Got married, still was looking at it. Uh, eventually told my wife. That didn't go well, but at least I told her. Right. Um, now, the reason I told her, like, that's a whole different story. I thought I was dying, so I figured I'd get it off my chest. Like, mm -hmm. that's a selfish move. But mm -hmm. anyway, regardless, kind of forced the issue, so I told her about it. And uh, it did not go away immediately, uh, not even close. Um and I was following Triple X Church from afar, not for their recovery resources per se, mm -hmm. but because of their. Actually, I was following Craig's writing, who was the original founder, some of his books, and I just I like their approach to uh, evangelism. I just like their approach to a lot of things. They were very bold. I'm from New Jersey. I just kind of say what I think. Mm -hmm. That does doesn't always work out well. 
Um, and, and I just like that approach. It's like, gosh, these guys, they're not afraid to say whatever they got to say. Mm-hmm. They don't care if you don't like it. And their evangelism approach was crazy. You know, they go to porn shows and hand out Bibles and right in the middle of a porn show with, mm-hmm. you know, people selling sex toys right next door. It was crazy. So yeah. I, I really like out-of-box approaches. I like stuff that pushes the edge. I like I like ruffling feathers. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if that's a godly thing or not, but... Um, Regardless, you know, that's kind of my personality. So it really, it really, I really vibe with their whole thing. But that was about it. I followed it from afar. And then I saw that they were doing an outreach in New Jersey. And uh, they were partnering with a church that was led by a guy who's now a really good friend of mine. He was a pastor. His name's Jeff Burkowski. I asked Jeff, I said, hey, do you think I can serve? And, uh, Jeff knew that I had porn issues, Mm -hmm. uh, but I guess he assumed that they were in the past and he never bothered to ask me (laughs) if they were current. Right. Uh, Jeff and I joke about it. And I'm like, but Jeff, what the heck were you thinking? I don't know, man. I don't know what I'm (laughs) thinking, but you know, he said, sure, you can join us. Uh And then I told my wife and she said, you think that's a really good idea? And I just started going to seminary right about then. I was still in the insurance business. And I said, I don't know. I just think I got to go. Yeah. She said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll trust you on this one. I said, okay. So um, so I went, but the, before the actual show, which was started on a Friday, we had training Thursday night led by the X church staff. So I sat through training and I got talking to this guy who was on staff and uh, after after the training and I asked him what he did and he told me that, um, you know, he does a lot of things, but one of the main things he does is work with pastors who have issues. And I said, oh, wow, how's that going? Not very good. I said, what do you mean? And he started telling me how, oh, yeah, I got to walk through these guys sometimes and tell them that maybe they need to step back for a season until they get stuff under control, and that hardly ever goes well. And, mm. and I'm, what? Why would you tell them that? And then he, well, you know, in Titus and Thessalonians, it says this and that about an elder. And these are all verses I was well aware of, but I just, I don't know. I guess I read them and just went right over my head. Yeah. But never paid attention. And I'm sitting there listening to this guy, and he has no idea who I am or what my deal is. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking to myself, like, man, I just dropped all this money on seminary to go pursue a degree and a calling, quote unquote. And this younger guy is basically, without even knowing it, saying, Paul, what are you doing? You need to get your crap together. Yeah. That's the edited version. Um, before you get serious about this mm-hmm. and uh, and that i don't know like something about that clicked and just really made me really shifted my perspective on what i was dealing with and it was just it was perfect timing you know i just started seminary i had this important conversation i just got a really good accountability partner and uh yeah i don't know it was like from that moment on i just started approaching those moments differently and for the first year i'm not going to say that the earth you know, the temptation to go there wasn't there but it just getting out of that situation was a whole lot easier because i just put things in perspective and said ah oh, this isn't worth it what are you doing call you you know you have bigger things in your life to go after mm-hmm. than porn mm-hmm. and uh, so that's that's kind of how that ended up and then the way that connected me to triple x church uh, outside of the show was then i was like i said i was going to seminary uh, at liberty university and online and uh, I reached out to a former employee of Triple X Church. And I said, hey, you know, I'd love to work with you guys or serve with you guys in, in other capacities. I find what you do amazingly interesting. If 
I can get it swung by the college. You think I could do some sort of independent study with you for credits? I said, sure, you know, come out to Vegas for a week. We have these different conferences. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of things all, all crammed together in one week in, 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 in the summer. And I said, yeah, come out to Vegas with us for a week. And we have all these different things. It'll be a good kind of picture of what's going on. So I go to Liberty University and I say to them, hey, do you think I can do an independent study for my master's program go to Vegas for a week? <laughs> and uh, they approved it. So that was a God thing, because yeah. I don't know how Liberty University approved me going to Vegas for a week with Triple H Church for credits, but yeah. they approved it, mm-hmm. and that just kind of got the whole ball rolling. You know, I, I got to know those guys better, then they started having me volunteer doing shows, then I got involved in their small groups program, then they gave me a job part-time to run their online small groups program and build that, because they just it was like this idea that they just started, but they had no one to run it. Mm-hmm. And then that turned into a full-time job, and you know... Years later, here I am. So it's, it's like I said, that's the shortest version of the story I can tell you, and it's still pretty long. No, no, that's fine. But take me back to the past a little bit, because I'm sitting here going, okay, so you were a Christian, and you were married, and you never really told anybody. Did you just somehow justify this addiction that, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I'm always intrigued that people have this addiction but it's almost like they just sweep it under the rug and they try to leave their Christian life or justify it somehow. I mean, I mean, did you know it was wrong? Yeah, I mean, I went through phases in my life. So uh, there was a big phase during college and stuff like that before I ever met my wife where, you know, I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, then I got married, kind of got reconnected with my faith a little bit. But even then... It wasn't, it, it was, that's when it started shifting. I started realizing, okay, this is, this is kind of jacked up. Um, it was more about, I don't really see this ever ending, hmm. you know? So it was, then I felt bad about it. The problem was I didn't thing other than just try harder, which is the classic mistake is if I just try harder, it'll go away and that hmm. won't happen. Mm-hmm. Then I really got serious and said, okay, hey, I got to do some stuff here. And that's when I got an accountability partner, started talking about it more. You know, it's just so it's a gradual thing, but there's definitely phases. I mean, I meet all sorts of people in the in the Christian world or out of the Christian world. But let's just you know keep the conversation to the in Christian world. I, I meet all sorts of guys, or I meet guys where they're Christians and they just don't think it's that big a deal, and they justify it because they're not having sex at home or they're or this or that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, well, it's better to have sex, right? I mean, it's better to look at porn and have sex with women. Not right. really, man, but. That's that's the thinking, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you know you, you can thank the purity movement for that mm. type of mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, then I meet guys who a lot of guys who are in that kind of middle stage where it's I know it's wrong, I feel really terrible about it, but I just keep going to it because I feel trapped and I don't know how to say no. And uh, but I don't want to tell people about it because it's embarrassing and awful, and I'm hoping someday I can beat this thing without having to without having to really come out about it and own it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I meet people that are way more serious about it and they're in their small groups program. You know, they're, they're meeting with their group each week. They're seeing a counselor, the wife's on board and knows what's going on. There's a lot of transparency and openness there. And, mm-hmm. you know, those guys are the ones that tend to find success, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they've taken that extra step and, and they're really taking it serious. Do you feel that pornography is on the rise in the Western world? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I would say it's, I mean, access is, 
you know, the porn world has changed so much. Back 20 years ago, 10 years ago, whatever, there was the big budget porn films and mm -hmm. you had the big studios and like so much of that has changed. Now it's a lot of amateur, everything's free online. Uh, I mean, access is crazy. You can get porn for free almost anywhere and you can get a lot of it. So the access is, is greater. So therefore, I think more people are going to be able to look at it openly. Mm hmm so, I, I mean, from what I see, I don't see a reduction. In fact, that's one of the, that's one of the kind of justifications, if you will, or I don't know, that's part of our mission, if you will, of Triple X Church these days is that we say, hey, like 20 years ago when, when this website launched, there was really almost nothing out there besides Triple X Church. There was no awareness. There were very few, if any, good resources. There was almost nothing almost no conversation going on about it. And so we thought, hey, if we start getting people to, uh, if we make people aware of the problem, if we provide resources, if we do this, if we do that, it's got to get better. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 20 years later, there are a ton of organizations out there talking about this. Mm -hmm. There's more awareness in terms of it being a problem than ever. It's actually turned into a kind of crazy, but porn recovery coaching has turned into a business. I mean, there's mm -hmm. so many guys doing it uh, as a way of trying to make pretty substantial money in some cases. I, it's just turning this whole thing, this whole industry, and yet I, I don't see any improvement mm -hmm. you know, with the average person. I think, I think the consumption rates are just as high as they've ever been, which is, you know, that brings us to our point, which is, well, if there's more awareness now, if there's more resources than ever, if there's more this and more that, and there's still the same problem, we miss something, right? right? Right. We, we clearly missed something. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, the something we missed, in our opinion, or our, our theory is something we missed is that we haven't done anything about making this a conversation that's acceptable to have mm -hmm. outside of a therapist's office or a counselor's office or a recovery meeting um, that meets every Thursday night at 8 p.m. in the back of the church and no one knows about. Like, yeah, that's the problem. Like we you still talk about it in your small group, right? Mm -hmm. No one, no one sits there and says, "We comes out for prayer requests." Hey, you know, how can I be praying for you? Well, you know, gosh, I'm still trying to kick this masturbation habit. Like no one right. does that, right? Right. right. Uh, and I think that's part of the problem because it's it's again not saying it's a good part of life, but it's a normal part of life. Mm -hmm. uh, normal doesn't mean healthy. Normal just means normal. Mm -hmm. In other words, most people are dealing with this on some level, and so we need to just kind of recognize and face that and not feel bad about it, but still then turn around and try to do something about it. You know, I was watching a Ted talk and this guy was not a Christian, but he was talking about his porn addiction on the Ted talk. And he, he realized after a while that he had an addiction and he had to do something about it. And so he was with a group of people and I don't remember if it was a business or what, but he just said, in front of everybody, hey, I have a pornography addiction and I'm looking to get set free. And he made a really good point. He said, you normally have two different responses that one it's going to be ill gross. Why would you even share that? So there's the shame aspect. And then you have the other end that says, well, that's not a problem. Why do you want to get set free from that? And if he would have come to this group and said, hey, listen, guys, I have a heroin addiction and I need help. Everyone would have been on board and said, oh, man, that's so good for you that you want to get help with that. But if somebody comes to you and says, 
I have a porn addiction, you you get like this really mixed bag of of reactions. And yeah. we, we have to understand that a pornography addiction is just as bad as a heroin addiction and needs that help. And I think, too, with your point of not talking about it, I think one of our issues is we're not talking about it with our kids. And I don't yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know why. Maybe we don't think about it, but it's something that we have to put in front of our kids faces now, because I think what the average age that a child is exposed is nine years old. And yeah. it's not it's not that we're looking for porn anymore. It's looking for you. It's looking for your kids. Uh, how do you think that it's affecting kids today? I, I, my son comes home and tells me stories. I mean, he had one. I wouldn't call him a friend. One kid he knows uh, who told him at one point, well, if you don't masturbate, you're not a man. Mm. Oh, it's the weirdest thing to say. That is weird. Because when I was a kid, yeah, when I was a kid, you would never admit to masturbation. But I guess maybe these days it's different. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just some of the stuff he tells me, like that kids at school say, oh, are you serious? And yeah, that's what they say. That's what they think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's affecting kids uh, because porn is becoming basically sex education for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just, it, it warps their view of sex. It warps their view of sexuality. It, it, um, it probably warps their expectations of what sex should be about. Mm. You know, it's it, going back to your thing about the Ted talk guy. One thing you got to understand, and this is one thing I have to understand, especially in ministry is you have to know your audience. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you're in a mastermind group, let's just say, I guess that's what he was describing, right? With Probably. a bunch of guys who aren't Christians mm -hmm. or don't have a Christian worldview and their view of sexuality is skewed, let's just say. Like they don't, they think sex, they think of sex as like any other physical act that is, it's just fun. It's a good time. Why not do it as often as you can? And if you're married and can do it, okay, that's a bonus, but not necessary. Like, if that's the mindset you're walking into, then, yeah, the, the reaction is probably going to be, I don't understand what the problem is, mm -hmm. right? You have, to, you have to know your audience. If you walk into a Christian circle, probably going to be a little different because hopefully there's going to be some understanding that, hey, that's not cool. You know, then, then you get into the, ew, that's gross. Or, and sometimes I think that, ew, that's gross reaction is something we, we expect and it's not necessarily what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a lot of guys, when they've owned it, they get a lot more acceptance. And like, wow, I can't believe you said it. I'm, I admire your courage. I admire your transparency. But we don't we don't really want to go there. We just assume it's going to be the ill reaction. Mm -hmm. You know? The only reason to say it as kids, a lot of it's going to come down to worldview and what they're being taught about sex. Mm -hmm. Right? So if they're not being taught to that, that sex is a gift from God um, that was given for the purposes of, of uniting two people in a way that nothing else can do, um, that it's for building intimacy and building connection. It's not just for the purposes of an orgasm. That in fact, the orgasm is given to us as a, as a means, as a chemical means of building connection and intimacy. Like, if you're not being taught that mm -hmm. from your parents, then you see porn and you just think of it as a very biological mechanical thing. And yeah, so why not just do what's fun? Cause it certainly feels good. Mm -hmm. um, porn stresses that a hundred, you know, that's all it stresses is how great this is. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it just, it really messes, 
it really messes up our, our, our younger people coming up in terms of like how they approach sex and relationships and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and even in the Christian home, I mean, I just know a lot of Christian families, they don't talk to their kids uh, about sex and the benefits of it. And it's more of a, you know, ah, sex, let's not get into that. That's kind of like just mature stuff or, you know, there's no celebration of it. There's no accepting the fact that it's a beautiful thing and that's a wonderful thing, but that it's something that has a specific purpose. And when you take it outside of that purpose, oftentimes bad things can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not having those conversations. So then Christian kids are going in the same schools as non-Christian kids and they're, they're hearing this from their peers and they're, Hey man, check this out. And I don't know, you know, I'm not going to my parents about it. They don't want to talk about it. I, mm-hmm. I'm certainly not going to bring it to them. That feels kind of weird. So right. maybe, uh, maybe there's something to this, mm-hmm. you know, and then why not? So, yeah, I think it, I think it definitely affects a lot of things. In, th- a, in a negative way. And I think some parents, they have this idea that they don't need to talk to their kids young because they think it's yeah. going to pique their interest more. But what happens is when you don't talk about it, that is what piques their interest more. I did a pornography seminar a few months back at a church, you know, how to talk to your kids about pornography. And I had three parents show up out of hundreds of families, like just three parents mm-hmm. show up. And so the kids pastor that, that asked me to come in and, and do this, she said the, the number one response she got when asking, hey, are you coming to this the seminar, they said, oh, we're not there yet. And I think mm-hmm. all I could think was, you have no idea. You have no idea nope. where you're at. <laughs> like, you're, you need right. to know this because it, it's going to yep, come yep. after your kids. Yeah, I mean, that's back to the ROI issue, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just asked me, you asked me earlier, well, why aren't we talking about more? Because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, someone, a church does decide to do a program or an event and then they get three people. It's like, well, okay, well, clearly this isn't a, this isn't a need, and mm-hmm. it, it is a need. Right. It's just that nobody wants to talk about it, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's the 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 early age thing is crazy. I I understand it's a logical fear. It stems from this idea of well, if I talk to my child about masturbation, or if I talk to my child about porn, he's going to go or she's going to go seek it out. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not going to say it's not a legitimate concern because it. It certainly could happen. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to tell you that it's. there's no way that happens. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather do that than not talk about it because they're going to go find it anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's you either talk to them, uh, build some credibility with them, build some trust with them, and uh, and hopefully give them some perspective so when they do stumble upon it, they you know they know how to react. Mm-hmm. They they know they can come and talk to you about it. You can process it all out. Um, you either go that route or you go the route of I'm not going to say anything. And then when they find it, they're just going to figure it out on their own, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is the worst thing. And then three years later, they're they're messaging us. You know, right. <laughs> they send an email us say, "Hey, I just caught my son masturbating. He's 15. He's got loads of porn on his phone. What do I do now?" Right. And you know, well. What, 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 what's my best resource? Well, you, you could have been your child's best resource. You still can be your child's best resource. But yeah. to be honest, you're about seven years behind the times here. So yeah. building, that, building that trust relationship with your child now is going to be twice as difficult as if you would have approached them at age nine about this mm-hmm. and, and build a rapport along the way. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 
Now, let me switch gears a minute because we often think of pornography as a male issue. But those of us that are females in ministry are really seeing with women that pornography is on the rise with females. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? I think we see it as a male issue. Well, first of all, because there's just some unhealthy philosophies out there or teachings out there, if you will, about the nature of men. Mm -hmm. You know, we get painted as these uh, Pavlovian dogs that, you know, know, men are pigs, right? Right. I mean, so that's a problem. Mm -hmm. But um, because of that, when we look at porn and because it is related to sex, right, and orgasm and all these other things, uh, or put it this way, because that's the outlet, right? Mm-hmm. Well, my, my, a porn addiction involves looking at naked people. It involves masturbation. It involves these sexual acts. Mm-hmm. The assumption is that, well, men are men need sex more than women. Men are hornier than women. Men are, you know, men are dogs. Women aren't. So obviously, this is a male issue because it's a sexual problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and besides the whole fact that that view of a man is just messed up in many ways. Um, the reality is porn is not a, it's not a sexual problem. You know, it, it's, yes, it plays itself out in the sexual arena, but it is not a sexual problem. Pornography is, pornography addiction, honestly, at the end of the day, isn't that much different from any other addiction or be, especially behavioral addiction. You know, why does the gambling addict go play, you know, go gamble when he knows he can't make his next rent check Mm -hmm. because he needs that fix. He needs to, um, he needs to numb out. He needs to, um, find avenues of pleasure. that are going to help him get his mind off of the pain he's dealing with in his life. Mm -hmm. You know, um, pornography is a lot about that. It's about avoiding pain. It's about trying to deal with abandonment and shame. It's about building connection, right? Um, I don't have, I grew up, I'm not saying me, but I'm saying the average, hey, look, I I grew up without healthy sources of connection in my life. You know, Mm. my parents didn't treat me well. I don't have friends that, you know, that really love me for who I am. I have all these, I'm missing that connection component in my life that all mammals need, not just humans, mammals need connection. We were built to we were built for community. I'm missing that. And honestly, porn gives you a form of connection on some part, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's a connection issue. It's a pain issue. It's all these other issues. Again, it plays itself out in the sexual arena, but it's not a sexual issue, right? And so women have the same issues, right? They, 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 deal, with, um, they deal with abandonment. They deal with pain they, they they have connection problems in their past they have all sorts of things and and as this becomes um more and more prolific and you know access is easier yeah women are going to go down that road too mm-hmm. you know it's it's not it's not just a man's issue and then of course because so many of us still talk about it and think of it as a man's issue um that 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 doubles down on the shame that the women experience so they yeah. have a harder time talking about it than even a man does. So mm-hmm. when you look at the numbers with women, you wonder how, how skewed are those numbers? Are they, are they accurate or oh. is it just because the shame level is so high with women, how many women are being really honest about what they're dealing with? You know, yeah. no, that's a really good point. Not a, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was saying it's just it's just not a, it's just not a sex problem, and that's what we gotta get we gotta get that past we gotta get over that. You mm-hmm. know, it's not it's not oh well, you just need to control your hormones. It has nothing to do with that. Stop it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I understand hormones play into things, but it, it's not sex. Your husband wants to say you're married. Your husband isn't looking at porn because he's a horny guy that can't control his his sexual appetite. That's not it, right? It, it, that's just not the truth. Mm-hmm. Now it might play itself out that way. But that's not the real problem. The real problem is dealing with some stuff down below. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know how to deal with it in a healthy way, so he goes this way. Mm-hmm. You know? No, that's a real good point that you made about the female. I guess I didn't think about it that way, that there is almost an extra layer of shame because if that's how people view males as they just can't control themselves, how much more is it on the female because they don't have that... Um, that stereotypical lens and it almost is like, Oh, well then she's just an infomaniac, you know, if she's involved in that. And I didn't think of the pornography issue too. I didn't think of it as, Hey, there's other things going on there. Not just the fact that they're trying to get gratification somewhere, but also it could be the fact that they're just trying to fit, have fulfillment in their life, just like any other addiction and their turn. It just, it just happens to be this instead of gambling or drugs or whatever. If someone out there is listening right now and they're just like, Carl, I am dealing with an addiction to pornography, whether they're male or female, what steps can they start taking now towards freedom? I mean, there's a whole bunch, but I would say the easiest first step is you need to get involved in some sort of community um, and and start talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it, it Again, a lot of this has to do with, without getting into all the biological and scientific underpinnings for all this stuff, a lot of this has to do with our need for safety as, 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 uh, as mammals, as, as humans. Like, we need safety. We need connection. So uh, having a community that supports you and loves you and accepts you for who you are is um, going to be a, a big help to begin with. Um, but then within those confines, when you are free to talk about it, when you're free to share, when you're free to get feedback um, from others, um, that can lead to things, right? Because some people say, well, I'm just going to jump to the uh, the counseling. I, hey, I think most people can benefit, if not any, everybody can benefit from some sort of counseling probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're dealing with sexual addiction issues, yes, counseling is probably going to be a good help at some point because – that's going to help you deal with some past pain and, and trauma. Some people throw a filter on their phone and think, well, if I just block it, well, that's just a temporary band-aid. That's not really going to help the issue, the real root of what you're looking at. But some people buy a book. Some people do a video course. At the end of the day, though, all these things, I've talked to guys that have gone to counselors for years and years and years. They're still having the same problems. But the one thing they usually lack in their life is they don't have a community. Right? Mm-hmm. The only person they feel honest enough to talk about it with is their counselor, which goes back to a shame issue. Mm -hmm. If I can't talk to anyone but my counselor, there's a shame thing going on there. And shame really is the catalyst for all of this, right? It's not, a lot of times in this addiction conversation, what you hear is, I look at porn, therefore I feel shame. And if I stop looking at porn, I won't feel shame. Mm -hmm. And that's partially true. What the reality is, there's some sort of shame. Sort there's some sort of source of shame in your life that preceded the pornography, mm-hmm. and then that's kind of why you went to pornography. And then the behavior creates more shame, which then feeds the monster. Right. So it's like this vicious cycle. I had shame in my life. 
I do something to kind of mask that, which creates more shame, Mm -hmm. which then feeds the other shame, which then causes me to go back to pornography to mask that shame. Mm -hmm. So it's just constant thing. So I would say the best thing to do is get involved in some sort of community at the very least, and then you figure it out from there. So, and that's why we, that's why in terms of resources, we really focus on the community. We have a workshop, we have other things that we've done or have done or are going to be doing, but our main focus is building and connecting people with communities. And we have an online small groups program for that. We have the Live Free Community app, which is a, you know, a support community for men. We have the Live Free Wives community, which is a support community for spouses. Like, that's why we focus so much on that, because we know the community is an essential element to recovery and healing. Um, and guys jump into these communities all the time, and I see their posts, and it's pretty clear. They are clueless in terms of what the nature of what they're really dealing with. They only have, they only have a piece of piece of it maybe. And a lot of times that piece they have is some outdated teaching that just is not as even accurate, mm-hmm. but at least they're kind of getting, getting an opportunity to talk about it. And then the lights start coming on. Cause then they start hearing new teachings and new conversations and they start, Oh wow. I didn't, I never knew that. Oh, I never knew this. Oh, that helps. That makes sense. Maybe I should go do this. Maybe mm-hmm. I should go see counsel. I just, Good things happen in community. So I would say that's the number one thing to do. And it's biblical. I mean, the Bible says, one, confess your sins to one another. We don't just confess our sins to Jesus, but we need to confess our sins to other people. And then Galatians tells us that, you know, we need to bear one another's burdens, that we cannot do this life alone. And when you are bearing one another's burdens, then you are keeping each other accountable. I mean... Yeah, counseling's great, but like you said, if you're just doing the counselor, then there, I, you know, there is that level of shame. Tell me about your book, When Shame Gets Real. What is your book about? Uh, well, I mean, When Shame Gets Real, a new way to talk about porn and masturbation. Uh, and you know, the spoiler is, it isn't there. There isn't a new way. It's 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 the, it's the way that it should have been, which is we just need to talk about it, right? And not treat it like it's this this topic that can only be discussed within certain circles of people. Mm-hmm. Right? We just have to understand this is a conversation going on, whether we like it or not, mm-hmm. and we just need to embrace that and 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 allow for it to happen wherever it needs to happen, and and, and stop, you know, making it a taboo thing or a shameful thing because that just makes the situation worse. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a book on shame. Yes, it, it focuses on sexual shame as kind of the uh, example, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, Hey, why do we deal with shame in our life? Where do these, where do these sources of shame come from? Um, how are they tied to our identity and things like that? And then how that plays out, in our life in terms of the choices we make, in this case, sexual choices, and how those then impact and further the shame we feel. And then um, and then towards the end of what the book's kind of divided in parts, but like the third part of the book is then kind of getting into a more practical and uh, realistic version of how do you start navigating your way out of this shame, mm-hmm. right? Like what does that look like, not just on a theoretical level, but in a real life situation how do you how do you have a conversation with your son about masturbation without it being really weird how Mm -hmm. do you talk to your spouse about your sexual addiction without you know going hopefully off the rails how those sorts of things 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's really what it is. And it's not, um, you know, it's not a recovery book. I tell people that all the time. It's not a recovery book. Like, you read this book, it's not going to cure you of your porn addiction. That's not the goal of the book. The, the goal of the book is for you to say, hey, I understand there's, there's this, I'm dealing with a lot of shame in my life. I need to get past this. I need to start healing that. I need to get past the shame of what I'm dealing with because while what I'm dealing with isn't good, I don't need to feel shame about it. I just need to try to get it fixed. I just need to try to get healthier mm-hmm. um, and then allow them then to pursue hopefully resources and things like that that will help them with that healing process. But if you, if you can't get past the shame, whether it's the original shame or the shame of your beha- past behaviors and mistakes, um, I would say you're going to be dealing with this stuff for a long, long time. Like yeah. that is, that's an element that has to go. It has to, you have to be done with the shame. Mm-hmm. If you really want to be truly free from this stuff, this can't, this can't be a source of shame in your life. It, it needs to be something that you deal with. Mm-hmm. No, that's really good. And I think, and I'll make sure that I put the, the book in the show notes. So if people can purchase that, they can do, they can uh, go to the website, but I just find it ironic that, you know, this is obviously a topic that we need to talk more about, but in the church world, I think probably for the past like 10, 15 years, I've noticed like the big ministry right now that really touches people's heartstrings is human trafficking and sex trafficking. And we need to, but, but, but what's fueling a lot of the sex trafficking is pornography. So if we're going to say, hey, we want to help people in sex trafficking, I think we need to also talk about the root of the problem, which one of those roots is pornography and not be ashamed to talk about it, to be open about it and to be unashamed of saying, hey, this is not okay." Just like any other sin that God talks about in scripture, we need to be okay with saying this is not okay. So, uh, Carl, I thank you so much for uh, being here today and, and chatting with us, the author of When Shame Gets Real also check out triple x church is it com or is it org i don't remember it's dot com it's dot com okay so there's lots of resources there lots of blogs i know you've written quite a few of the articles on there as well as other people is there anything else that you would like to share before we head on out today uh no just just uh the fact that like i said this is um this is something that we all need to be aware of it's not just a, a male issue or a female issue and it affects a lot of people, um, not just the people that are dealing with their own more sexual behavior, but the people that are married or mm-hmm. related to those people. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a wide issue. And even if you're not dealing with it, someone you know is probably dealing with it, and that's affecting it, – it's very well affecting your life in some way. So um, this is something that in, in marriages we need to be talking more about. It needs to be something we are talking about with our kids freely and openly mm-hmm. and uh, you know, educating them. Um, and, uh, you know, just going back to the kid thing, I would say to parents that, and this is going to sound really negative, but I, I've said this a few times now, in terms of our, in terms, especially of the church world, um, shifting or suddenly changing the way it approaches the topics of pornography and sex, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Like, it's not going to happen today. You know, my generation, your generation, most likely, like, that's almost in the books, mm-hmm. right? Because you're dealing with years and years and years of bad practice and bad teaching. And that stuff doesn't just change overnight. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can change, but the only way it's going to change is if with, with our kids. Yeah. So if we, te- 
if we talk about our, if we talk to our kids openly about this stuff, if we educate them about this stuff, if we get them to a point where they can approach the topics of sex and porn and masturbation and all this stuff without a bunch of shame and in a healthy way, have a healthy dialogue about it. Uh, as they get older and we get new leadership and we get new new congregations, if, if they come in with with the right attitude, you know, then it can change. Yeah. Then it's going to be, you know, I, I know my son and my daughter. You know, when they get into a small group someday, and someone says something, they're going to both be, I don't understand what the big deal is, guys. You mm-hmm. know, because that's the way we taught them. You right. know, it's like, no, they, you just need to be able to talk about this. Yeah, mom and dad talk about sex all the time. I yeah. mean, that's kind of a weird way. But, no, but in a healthy know, way. And yeah, and that's, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I th- I'll put in the show notes, too. Have you heard of the book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures? Have you heard of that book? I have. Okay. Because I, I, I read that. I haven't read it. I don't, I don't like the, the title. No, you don't I, like the title? I, I, I loved it. I hate it. the title. Yeah, I loved it. It was such a great opener for me to talk to my kids about it because you can talk to your kids. You can read it to them as young as seven. And it was a good way. It was a good segue to talk about it because here we are. We're already reading bedtime stories to you. So it was just so natural to be, okay, we're reading this bedtime story. And it was all about... Um, what pornography is and what you do when you come across it. So for us, at least in our family, it was a huge resource. And I think it was really the gateway for us to continue our conversations because we already broke um, the the silence or broke the, the awkwardness or whatever you want to call it. It, 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 it. I don't know. It was just a good gateway for us. Yeah, I just, you know, regardless of, I mean, whatever gets the conversation started is good, mm-hmm. but there's product there's productive conversation and then there's this destructive conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that is, but I would just say for anybody, for any parent, like when you get involved talking about pornography and sex and masturbation, my my recommendation is always stay away from good, bad, uh, sinful, holy terminology, mm-hmm. and it's more about just healthy and unhealthy, mm-hmm. you know, or appropriate and inappropriate. Like, I, we talk to our kids about inappropriate, like, that's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not going to help you. That's that's a problem. Right. Um, and the reason I do that is because, not that I'm saying it's not, it's not quote-unquote bad, mm-hmm. but the problem is if you, if you treat unwanted sexual behavior, uh, and we'll just categorize everything that way as something that's quote unquote bad versus mm-hmm. something that's good. Mm-hmm. When your kid screws up and does it, it's going to be, Oh, I did a bad thing, mm-hmm. you know? And I would say a lot of kids, especially, especially when you're dealing with kids, a lot of kids aren't doing this stuff to purposely be bad. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're doing it because they stumbled upon it or curiosity got the better of them or, you know, it, it wasn't a, Oh, I'm going to do this and rebel against God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, right? What's this picture? Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, that's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. What's what's that making my brain feel like? You know, and, and that's okay, exactly hey. what the book does. Yeah, it says it, it. It yeah, it's all about accidentally stumbling across it online and how is it making my body feel right now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so I like I like I your just... no, but I like your approach of what's healthy, what's unhealthy, because I think. When you use the word bad, it can just bring on more shame. But when you say, hey, is that 
Is that a wise choice or is that an unwise choice? Hey, is that healthy or is that unhealthy? I think actually those are really good terms. So I, I, I think I'm going to add, <laughs> make sure I add that to my vocabulary. But uh, Carl, yeah. thank you so much for spending spending this time with us today. I really appreciate your insight. Again, the book is When Shame Gets Real and check out all the resources at Triple X Church. That's three X's, so not literally Triple X, XXX Church. Thank you so much, Carl. Hey, thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Unique on Purpose podcast. And a big thank you and shout out to Carl for sharing his story, being vulnerable with us. Make sure you check out his book. I'll put it in the show notes. You can go ahead and grab that today. And speaking of books, a reminder that my book, The Real War on Women, comes out October 18th. And as promised last week, here is the back cover. This time, we are all in the front line and in danger together. A quote from King George, 1940. You have been called to be on the front lines of war. The battles we fight as women in this spiritual war cannot be won without you. In your hands, you will learn about great women from our recent and biblical past. From their heroics, you will discover why you are here, why you matter, lies you may have believed, who your true enemy is, how to be victorious, and how to use your greatest weapons in this fight. There is a spiritual war against God's women. It is a war against your identity, your sexuality, your marriage, your family, call, and purpose. It is time to stop believing Satan's lies and the lies of the culture and even lies from the church and start fighting where God has placed you so you can live out your God-given purpose. You have been called up to be a powerful warrior. Let us fight this real war on women together. I'm excited to share that book with you coming out October 18th. You can get all the updates and information if you follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Unique on Purpose is available on iTunes as well as Spotify. So don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you right back here next week.